I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live, Mike. How about that conversation, huh? Two heroic young men. Two heroic young men who ran towards the danger and ultimately saved a life and were able to return home safely to their own families. Inspiring stuff. And the heroism continues. I, as I was preparing for today's program, on Friday came to learn of a story which took place in Murray, Utah, a confrontation between police and an armed robbery suspect with which ended uh, later with zero injuries, no one being injured. What happened was this. Uh, it was late Thursday night. A transgender woman went into a gas station in Murray and took a bottle of water at gunpoint. When the woman left, the clerk called the police, who not long after that phone call was made were able to locate the suspect. Information received by police indicated that this individual, this transgender woman, may have been suicidal. This information comes to us from uh, Detective Kenny Bass with the Murray Police Department, who joins us on the line now. Detective, sir, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm excellent. I'm grateful to you for being on the line with us to tell this story. Uh, Let me leave it to you to pick up the story from where I left off. Uh, Police had received some information that the suspect may have been suicidal. They arrive on the scene. I'll let you take it from there. They'd actually received the information prior to even having the report of the robbery. The information they received in the robbery matched this individual, and they were lucky enough to uh, locate her nearby after locating her there began a uh, discussion with her uh, they knew she was still armed and uh, still a threat she was threatening her own life while they were speaking with her and this took quite some time uh, this discussion um, spoke with her for quite a while where she would threaten her own life and she actually turned uh, the weapon towards officers at one point and actually fired in the air at one point as well uh, after long discussion with uh, with her, they were able to take her safely into custody without injury to uh, her or the officers. She pointed a firearm at officers, fired around, and officers did not return fire. Why is that? Well, it's tough for me to say what was in their minds. They've been talking with her for quite some time, so I believe in the discussion they had, the de-escalation uh, tactics they were using they believed at a certain point when the when the firearm was pointed in their direction you know they they didn't feel that they were in direct danger 
of uh, being injured then. And, uh, you know, they may have also been using um, using cover as well. But uh, they didn't feel the threat was strong enough to them to, to use deadly force against her. How did the situation come to an end? Just uh, through through speaking with her and talking her out of, uh, you know, handling the weapon, having her put down the weapon, and, and you know, she was taken into custody with, without incident. So um, it, it worked out uh, probably better than anyone could have ever assumed. It's absolutely fascinating. It's miraculous uh, that an exchange like this took place um, and that all were able to go home, both officer and suspect, without sustaining a single injury. You mentioned that there was a good deal of conversation back and forth between uh, this woman, 21 years old, and law enforcement. What, what, are, what are those conversations like, or what was this conversation like? I don't have the details of the conversation. Uh, each one is different, the length of them, what they entail. Um, the information that they received is um, she may, she may uh, just have some... Um, you know, some mental issues going on, obviously suicidal. So the conversation can go all sorts of dis- different directions with an individual such as this. Were there intoxicants involved, to your knowledge, uh, drugs or alcohol to any degree? I don't know. I see. Uh, well, very good, uh, Detective. Thank you so much. Uh, well, let me ask you this: in a, in a situation like that, where it is clear that there is that there likely will be a prolonged back and forth between a suspect and officers, are are those officers there, the first on the scene? Are are they the ones that carry out this back and forth, uh, or are there are there negotiators uh, of sorts uh, special to the department who who turn out uh, and interact with the suspect? Each situation is different. Sometimes it's the officers that immediately respond because they have no choice but to start the interaction with the suspect. Uh, if we're lucky enough to have somebody that has been trained, they can respond and take over if possible. Or if it's expanded really lengthy, they can call somebody in if they feel it's necessary. But in this situation, it was just the officers that are you know that started the discussion with her and continued it. Wow, it was the, it was the responding officers that uh, that stayed in the middle of the situation the entire time and ultimately uh, negotiated or arranged for a surrender. Yes. That's admirable. Is that, uh, what is training like to prepare an officer for a circumstance like that? Well, the unfortunate thing there is, there is training. We, uh, we do have training to deal with uh, individuals or speak with people with mental illness, but a lot of it comes from experience and uh, time spent talking with people um, and doing the job for a while. Uh, some people are just naturally adept at, at handling situations like that or engaging in conversations like that. Very good. Uh, Detective Bass, thank you so much for your time. We've been speaking with Kenny Bass, detective with the Murray Police Department, uh, after uh, a situation which shaped up late Thursday night where uh, a suspect uh, allegedly took a bottle of water at gunpoint from a convenience store. Police were called. A negotiation ensued. Shot was even fired by the suspect. Officers, though, uh, determining that the threat to their life was, uh, was, was not so much that they should return fire. And ultimately, after a, a lengthy discussion, uh, this 21-year-old suspect, uh, a transgender woman, placed uh, her firearm on the ground and she was taken into custody. Uh, no injuries sustained by any involved. Detective, thanks again for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. All righty. In the next segment, we're going to delve a little deeper into the types 
of tactics employed by law enforcement in situations uh, just like this. In fact, we'll be speaking uh, with Mark Lowther, who himself served for a number of years in law enforcement and is now one who trains others in how to handle uh, negotiations like this, where you are negotiating with the suspect uh, to essentially put down the weapon or release a hostage or somehow uh, without uh, any injury to end a potentially dangerous dangerous uh, circumstance. So again, Lieutenant Mark Lowther will be uh, our guest coming up. 24 years of service uh, with the Weber County Sheriff's Office. Also has uh, some time serving as a SWAT hostage negotiator, which he did for the major portion of his career. Later on in the program, to wrap things up, we are also going to take a look back uh, on the governor's race. As you know, uh, tomorrow is the primary here in the state of Utah. Tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow is when you got to get this, uh, this deal turned in, your mail-in ballot. So if you've got that there in front of you, I want you to fill it out, drop it in the mail, sign it, uh, and you and I that way will together rock the vote uh, from home this year. We're going to look back on some of the comments made by gubernatorial candidates on this program. That's later on in the program. Next up, though, we're speaking with a hostage negotiator on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.